Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, and that means I probably should delay the podcast, because we apparently we delay things in this town right now, but no, I'm going to come out and give you a podcast, even though the Washington Commanders have yet to officially say who will start at quarterback this week against the Cleveland Browns. Ron Rivera spoke on Tuesday, said a few interesting things, but did not reveal who will be his starting quarterback. I'd be surprised if it's not Carson Wentz, but we'll find that out tomorrow on Wednesday. But there's plenty to discuss, and my guest today, none other than the great Rick Doc Walker, talked to Doc a lot about this team, so you know where this is going. Talked a lot about the offensive line because I think that's a really interesting component here for all the talk about the quarterback and no doubt it's the most important aspect of the team of any team but for this team in particular it's the offensive line that feels like it's kind of holding things back as much as anything else so I got Doc's view on that and a bunch of other topics including the quarterbacks of course uh all that here on the standard room only podcast which of course you can find on iTunes Spotify anywhere you do your podcasting uh, I have a new article up on The Athletic by the time you hear this, most likely. And I will say that uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to The Athletic or you're looking for a gift for somebody, The Athletic has some great deals right now. So all you got to do is click on one of my articles. You'll see a deal there uh, to sign up for yourself to get a gift for someone. And uh, that'd be great. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic website uh, for your, the sports fan in your life. Uh, okay, so, oh, in addition, Doc and I did talk a little bit about this weekend's reunion at the Commanders game at FedEx Field against the Browns, a reunion of, and a celebration of the Hogs, of course, the famed offensive line group with uh, tight ends, and of course, John Riggins in there as well. Joe Gibbs will be at the celebration. It's connected to the fact that the team is revealing a mascot. The, the final candidates is a hog and a dog. I guess you could probably imagine which way it's going to go. Of course, this whole celebration has gotten discussed this week because there is a, some sort of a dispute between the former players who are part of the hogs and the organization over the trademark of the hogs. Uh, I spoke to the attorney who represents the players. And I checked in with some people with the team. I, there is no lawsuit. Let's be clear on that at this point. The players are aiming to get the trademark. They believe they will get that sometime next year. The question, though, becomes that what happens after that, if that, if that occurs. Will there be a lawsuit then? Perhaps. There seems to be some debate over whether there the, these two sides are at odds with this circumstance. I, I, it's somewhat confusing. It's not a lawsuit, though. So right now it's just not much, but it is another thing, of course, with this organization. This one involving alumni, not thrilled with uh, apparently with what what the organization is doing regarding this matter or their perception of what they're doing. So well, I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the coming weeks. But nonetheless, this Sunday you can celebrate the, the Hogs. Joe Gibbs will be there. Should be a great time for sure. All right, couple things that Ron Rivera did tell us today. And then we'll get to my conversation with Doc Walker. As I said, he mentioned 
he has now he is he's saying he's not made a decision yet on who will start between Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. He said he still wants to talk to other people, make sure he has all the information possible. He said oh, that includes talking to some of the players. My assumption is uh, that it will be Carson Wentz. Again, effectively, he already made this decision once back in March when Taylor Heineke's here and he goes out and makes the big trade for Wentz. I understand the, the Heineke people who believe why would you mess with success? You know, the, 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 the spark that's turned around here. Uh, over the last you know couple of months has been with Heineke at quarterback. My view to a degree, as you guys have heard before, is Heineke's done his job. No no knock on that. But it also came when Brian Robinson became a go-to running back for this team and really set the tone with his power running. The defense picked up its game a lot. Uh, the offensive line, still not great by any stretch of the imagination, but was kind of chaotic earlier in the year. And Carson Wentz was still learning the offense. I think you put all that together, and with Wentz now having more experience just being around the team and the playbook and stuff, I am curious to see what that would look like going forward. Uh, Ron Rivera kind of liked the fact that he, he said today that how Wentz was making some quick decisions. That's obviously quick decisions against the Niners. That's obviously one of the big knocks on Wentz is the fact that he tends to hold the ball in the pocket. I'm curious to see what it looks like. It's not just these next two games. It's next season. I would assume at this point that neither Heineke or Wentz would be viewed as the starting quarterback, but that could change if Wentz looks good the last couple of games. They make the playoffs, et cetera. I mean, long way to go for any of that to happen, but we're waiting to see now what happens. Again, I'm assuming it will be Wentz. If it's Heineke, I will do another podcast tomorrow. If it's not, we'll do one later in the week. In other news, Antonio Gibson, it was odd. He did not play a ton against San Francisco. He played like 20-something snaps, but basically the same as Jonathan Williams, which seemed very unusual. Turns out, according to Ron Rivera, Gibson is dealing with a sprain. He did not reveal what body part he was dealing with. He could presume an ankle or a foot, I guess. Gibson has been on the injury report the last couple weeks with a foot issue, so we'll see where that goes. But Rivera sounded like somebody who's a little concerned. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to go beyond that. We'll speculate what that means, but he said it's something they're going to have to monitor this week. Um, on the flip side, he said that Cam Curl was a true game time decision on Sunday. Or sorry, I keep saying Sunday. I mean Saturday. Obviously, they played San Fran on Saturday. He was a true game time decision with his ankle injury. That he was close. And that now, he obviously didn't play. And that now, this week, from what Rivera's seen, he's even closer. So it sounds like Cam Curl should be back in the lineup this week against Cleveland. Obviously a huge deal. I wrote about this uh, the other day, but the, but it's but it's pretty jarring when Cam Curl has not been in the game, in games this year. He missed the first two games. He, you know, he, he returned for that week three against the Eagles, and then he missed this game. Um, this week was the most points they've allowed this year, topping the week two games against the week two game against the Lions. Uh, Jacksonville went over twenty points against them. The Eagles had twenty four in the first half of, the, of that week three game. So Cam Curl makes a huge difference. It will be big to get him back on the field. Hopefully things go that way. Um, Rivera also had to say, you know, a lot of good things about Chase Young off of his performance. I, I guess I will be just a little bit curious this week to see 
what he's able to do from a practice perspective, you know, because it was his first game in 13 months, you know. So let's see where he is at um, there. But, but uh, you know, Rivera seemed to be pretty pleased, to say the least, with what Chase Young was doing. All right, uh, more to come this week. And again, of course, I'll be writing on in the athletics. You can check that out. And of course, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standick. Uh, but let's get to it. Here is my conversation with the great Rick Doc Walker here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, as we're getting ready to wrap up the literal calendar year, got to get in one more visit with one of the legendary voices in town and a long time uh, figure with this Washington organization. He is, of course, the great Rick Doc Walker, who's got his uh, podcast you can find on uh, patreon.com slash Doc Walker. And of course, he's also part of the group that is over on Team 980, the Burgundy and Gold today, 12 to 3. I think that's different since the last time you had that you uh, that, that, that you and I talked on here because you guys start, you guys came on with you, Linnell and Scott Jackson came on during the season, right? Yeah, it's 12 to 3. I mean, it's the hardest assignment on earth because you cover one topic that's usually not very good during this time of the year. But this year we hit the bullseye because the team has been interesting and they've been fun to watch because other than the last three weeks when it's been awful, there's been a happy ending. You've had to wait till the last play of the game to determine the victor, but it's been our team. And that's kind of been cool watching this group that plays really good defense and is surprisingly effective offensively in an orthodox way, if that makes any sense. And the fact that it produced a Pro Bowl wide receiver is maybe the most incredible thing I've witnessed since I've been covering the game. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good point that Terry McLaurin made the pro bowl, despite the fact that everybody complains about the quarterback situation. And, and it's like you said, it's not like they have, um, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks of, of Heineke or Wentz, they don't have a clear pro bowl quarterback. And yet Terry McLaurin was able to uh, certainly do enough to, 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 to get into the pro bowl. Yeah. it's a good point. And to be respected by peers, because people can see how the acrobatic catches the fact that you know it's going to him, you can't stop him, and that this team does it in a way that uh, it's, 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 makes you scratch your head till you're bleeding. The one thing you know is that they can't predict it. And the other team can't consistently stop because you can't figure it out because it's a bit unorthodox in how they do it but it gets done. And if they could ever figure it out, I mean, I I remember the posse. I played, you know, with Charlie Brown, Art Monk, Virgil C., Alvin Garrett. You know, we had weapons, but nothing like this. Jahan Dotson 
is as smooth of a receiver as I've, and he's a baby and he has veteran like results. Terry's like Art Monk. That, that reminds me, he reminds me of James Arthur. He just does it, he just gets it done. Yeah, he's athletic, he's fast, got all these things, but he's not the biggest, tallest, fastest. But with his heart, he's such a hell of a football player. And then I had no idea that there's three of them. And then 10, who they made me subconsciously, Samuel, I didn't know how to take him because I thought, is this guy a crook? Did he steal last year? No, he was injured. We got a guy hurt. And it make that, I mean, figure that one out. But man, was he worth the wait because he is a flat out freak. And I'm looking at this, and this is not taking into way. I still like Cam, Johnny. I mean, I, I look at the guys they have. I go, what a room. I look at the tight end room, and I look at the, I go, what a room. The running back room, what a room. I go, how the hell can they not win? And then it starts. And then you, and then whatever happens, happens. And one guy here or there, and, and then all the kid gets shot on your team. Who gets shot during the season? Well, it happened here. And then recovers. And he's evolving. And then, you know, the whole thing started with me where I was confused with, why can't we just get a running back? No, we got to get receivers and turn them in the back. And guess what? It worked. I'm like going... It actually worked. Guys are really good. And so, but it's a blocking and tackling sport. And if you can't protect and your quarterbacks, both of them are limited. So you're working around some limitations. And then it's still a game of want. How bad do you want it? The team really wants it. And they play great special teams. And you get this pro bowler on teams just reminds me of our formula back in the stone ages that they emphasize the things that we did running teams you know there's a there's a there's a grit toughness about them um but they just can't get it on demand well you mentioned you mentioned a, a lot in there and one thing i think it's been so interesting this year, and I, I asked Rivera this the other day, and that is, what is this team's actual identity? And the reason I mentioned that is, you, you talked about those receivers, right? Yeah. When this season began, when they bring in Carson Wentz with his big arm, they draft Jahan Dodson, they get Samuel back, even the running back situation when you have Gibson and McKissick when he was available as yeah. pass catchers, like this, it's clear they wanted to expand the passing game beyond oh, absolutely. The limitations. But then because of the way things evolved and Taylor Heineke comes in and then you get Brian Robinson back, you know, as you mentioned, it has changed into this other type of team. This more of the, the Rigo drill that you guys did back yeah. in the day, let, you know, and led by the ground game, which I think has helped when they talk about complimentary football, it has yeah. helped the defense with ball control. So like to a the quarterback is a factor in this, but like, what do you think is the actual identity of this team or should be considering the talent at receiver but the Brian Robinson aspect and how that's kind of helped change the season. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for me to say, I'm not going to get what I want, but I do think because it's just not who they are. But when I look at these guys and I go, they are tough. They are physical. 
everybody's had to play through injury, but developing a personality. When they lost Rouillet, I thought that's a wrap. Right. And yet I watched Larson and I watched Turner, two guys that would end up being very important, not play all summer. They're all on the other field. And guys just trying to get in shape. Larson, I go, my God, this guy's enormous. <clears throat> he was my MVP until he got hurt. <clears throat> I thought he really gave Norwood. Um, or Norwell, right? Pardon me. And then I'm talking about Trey Turner. Yeah. That core, I call it the core. Nobody wins without a core. Their core started getting itself together after the Philadelphia disaster, debacle, whatever you call that. They're just guys that weren't in football shape playing one of the best teams in the league and got boated, boathoused. And then the quarterback looked like, I go, I thought it was a joke. Are you kidding me? To have recovered from one and four, that's all on them. I mean, it really is. I mean, and then that 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 D-line, that front, Smith, Williams, and then two Hill and you know, the, then this farce about 99. I mean, it was like a PR campaign. Let the guy heal. He'll come back whenever he comes back. But, you know, it's part of how they do business. It's just you can never figure out who actually okays this stuff. <laughs> right. You know, that's the thing. I always go, what, somebody has to approve this, I assume, or does it just happen on its own? I don't know. I just try to stay focused on the week of the game and the upcoming opponent and stay out of all the rest of the crap. I just, because it's too, I know how hard it is to win and to have a good team and to be so close and yet so far away is really frustrating for me. Um, no, I, I, I hear you. Let, let me go back to the offensive line yeah. for, for a second and the blocking in general. Like, obviously, I, you and I are talking right now Tuesday morning. We don't have an official announcement yet on who the starting quarterback will be. I'm going to assume it's Carson Wentz, but we'll see. Obviously, Heineke's been in there for, you know, the, the previous, what, nine games. Um, it seems to me that on some level, be, I mean, the quarterbacks kind of are who they are. I don't think there's any big mystery as to what they are. The question is, I think, on some level, who fits best with the rest of the team? And in, specifically for me, the offensive line. Because while the offensive line has, yeah, they're not giving up nine sacks in the game anymore the way they did in that week three game to the Eagles, but they're still giving up a pretty high pressure rate. It's actually a higher since Heineke's been in there than it was earlier in the season in total. Um, wh what do you see from that perspective? Do you think that matters? Does does if Heineke is in theory better? because of his mobility to be with this offensive line, but Wentz gives you the bigger arm strength. Is there one of those factors that matters more to you considering the offensive line is kind of what it's been? Which has been, I mean, it's based on life after Larson. Is how I phrase it. Because they haven't proven they can do it without him, to me. And um, then the style of play, the pocket, you know, you think he's he's hard to tackle or to sack. He's, but he's not a runner. He's not what they tried to make him into this hero. Like he's he runs a read option or he runs run. He doesn't. Right. I wish he would. 
but he doesn't. Well, I was happy Not this last this last game that they actually did have him run. Uh, it looked like a couple of designed designed boots, or maybe he chose to go. But I was like, yeah, because that's that was the element he brought in the beginning when you know yeah. the, when he first jumped out into the scene. But yeah, yeah, it's been really dialed back, and it feels like that's a missing element. If he's not going to run, that takes away from kind of what you know what what, what the upside of, of having that kind of guy is. Yeah, it's been and look, he's earned it. I said, as a backup quarterback, to me, he's more than fulfilled his role. He's done his job absolutely. If he was a starter and you thought that of him, you'd have never spent twenty eight million dollars on another guy. You'd have never done it. You didn't think it. You went and reacted the way you felt you needed to. And that's why I don't understand the confusion now. To me, it's a no-brainer, but I don't know. I'm not inside the locker room. Um, I do know this. The failure against the Giants on two occasions, really, this was the champagne was about to pop out the, the bottom. Everything was set. And now you're trying to recover from an error. And the error is, you know, why Robinson ran out of bounds in New York, we'll never know. You know, why they had guy wide open, he missed it. That happens. They also, how many times have the opponent dropped sheer picks? It's happened. Yeah. It's what makes the game so unique. You can say you're really good or you can say you're really lucky. It doesn't really matter. Just get the results. But they get the job done. And so I can't take my eyes off the fact that this ain't luck, man. They They fight all the way till the end and they grind it out. The tip pass by Payne uh, against Atlanta. That's a touchdown. Patterson, I mean, that's, but hand goes up, you know. Was his left hand? I'm not sure, but. <laughs> I think it was. What, if you, when you look at this team, I go, this doesn't happen. They, this is who, they play hard. They're well conditioned. They got all those things going for themselves. And if they could just get a, some consistency I think the lack of yards after catch is what ultimately will doom them. If we look at the yardage that they should have had, if the ball is placed two or three yards here or there, these guys are catching scores. They're catching scores. But they've always got to come back and be contortionists. They got to come back and make all these great get. Yeah, but you get no yards after catch. Right. So if you want to watch when you watch the Chargers and the Bengals and the and the Bucks and watch other people, that's the difference. Our guys make great plays, but there's no yards after catch for the most part. Yeah, no, so, no, for sure. That's my opinion of it. And it's hard quarterback. We've made this into a sport. Baseball, you can pay a guy $100 million. You can pull him after four innings. Nobody has a problem. You know, if they bring another guy next game, he's gonna, it's no big thing. But we've been taught in this game that if we bring another guy in for even situation, whatever, the whole world falls apart. Well, that's childish to me. It's about winning the game, any means possible. If I had to play him each a quarter, I'd do it. I'd do whatever it took to win the game, period. But, you know, we obviously they don't feel that way. So they, this is a big decision. And, they both, to me, pick one or the other. They're about the same. The problem is you're paying one of them twenty eight million dollars. Right, that's the problem. And you're giving them pick that. That's the problem. If they were really, were they probably a lot closer than people would like to admit? But that's not the way it works out. And uh, I don't think about the future. The future is right here, right now. There is no future. 
if they lose. And so hopefully there are they I mean, I just thought they blew the bye week thing. How do you not come out better prepared to handle your business while your opponent's playing the best team in football and you're chilling? And that's inexcusable. To, I, I don't understand that one. But then they go out and play the be- maybe the best team in football really toe-to-toe in their backyard. And basically, how much – I mean, but when you go forward and don't make it, well, in the 32, down seven, checkmate if you don't get it. And if you don't have a play that you could almost bet your life – because what you do is bet your life on it. To me, when I say I'm going for, I need to know I'm gonna get it. You're talking about the uh, the, the 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 third down and fourth third, and one. Yeah, I, and I don't know how you you don't have that play because you really don't have a bread and butter play. Yeah, I, I, people I, look at Green Bay sweep or our gut or traditional teams. They don't. What, what is theirs? You don't know if they're in gun. You don't know if they're. You don't even know what formation they're going to be in because they haven't established. They come hella high water. When we get in this, we can guarantee the results. They don't have that. I, I'm with you on that. I mean, like I uh, sometimes feel like I'm in the position to have to defend Scott Turner from the masses out there. But the one yeah. thing that has for, uh, I've found confusing is it feels at times they're trying to show that they have their playbook is like eight thousand pages as opposed to here's the four or five plays we're going to run and uh, execute to to because we can we're going to keep killing you with it over and over again. Um, but you know that also. Yeah, probably- I can understand that. I, look, I can understand a lot of different things from an employee. I can't understand the boss allowing it to happen. I don't blame employees for anything, right? But the boss has got to determine what we do and what we don't do, <laughs> right? Well, it was funny. If not, I- who's in charge? After the uh, the second Giants game, when Robinson only had 12 carries, even though he was averaging over seven yards a carry, and when R- when Rivera was asked about the usage, I guess the, like the day after the game, I think it was maybe the question of my identity question to him. He said that he thinks they're like a, a power running first, a power running team first with play action after that. But then he said, in my opinion. And I was thinking, in your opinion, you are literally God. You can do whatever yeah, you can yeah, say what yeah, you want, yeah. but but I think yeah. you're, he's deferential to Turner. Um, yeah. l- let me ask you this: to go yeah. back to the to the line, you know, obviously you were part of the legendary Hogs, uh-huh. which had great players across it, not just in that first Super Bowl, throughout the entire time of Joe Gibbs, basically yeah. a, a Jacoby or a Russ Grimm or a Jim Lachey, somebody was a if not voted into the Pro Bowl at that level. And then to a degree, that's continued over the years when you had a Curtis Samuel and then more recent, uh, sorry, Chris Samuel. Chris and more, Samuel. <laughs> and then more recently, um, you know, Trent Williams gets here. In Jim Lachey, don't forget Lachey. I yeah. mean, it's been, yeah. So from 2012 with Trent Williams up through this past year with Brandon Scherf, this team had at least one Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Um, and then, you know, sometimes those Pro Bowl accolades are ceremonial, but like these were legitimate uh, for sure. But now they don't have any of that. They, they, they've, you know, I'm not arguing that they should have re-signed Scherf. I'm just saying that they have don't have that anymore. They don't have anybody who was any any of us were even discussing as a Pro Bowl player. What does that do for a line when you don't have at least the one linchpin that you can? Maybe this is what you're talking about. The one thing we're like, I know on this play we're going to run behind 75, like that. Maybe the, the last. Yeah, year. I mean, it, it's just because I'm used to it doesn't mean it's right. They obviously have a different philosophy. 
and you replaced two guards with two more guards that were older. And they, they, I think they're power-based. You look at them. They're not screen guys. So I go, okay, you're not a screen line. <clears throat> well, you, and you're not a short yardage line. And you're not, you're not passing the quarterback. Everybody's got to have something that, that's their bread and butter. You may not be as good at other things, but this thing, and that's the part I don't think we've identified, that injury has a lot to do with it because – how many teams are playoff bound on their third center in this league, realistically? I mean, the Packers went through it for a minute. Most teams, although he's never really mentioned, they're really the most – they get taken for granted the most. And yet they got their hand on the ball every play as well. We've had them dribbled back. We've had high snaps. We had – I mean, so these are all factors. But they're good enough to win games with but you don't have a bell cow, but that's, that's on you. And I don't know what I'm saying. Look, you can argue Sheriff played half a season. I can, I can win an argument on either each guy. Um, Flowers for me, that's the one I'm scratching my head over. Cause I think you should have been able to afford that. And he played every week. There's gotta be something said for guys who play, actually play every week. The, the Flowers thing is so weird, though, because nobody picked them up. Forget that's Washington. No, it, but but that happened. They had they almost had two players that are pretty damn good. Yeah, that and the safety, who are just kind of weird. That you need them, they may be ideal for you, not for somebody else. But all I care about is me. So, but then again, there's <laughs> only one person making all the decisions. So you got to ask him when it comes down to it. If it works, it's great. But if it doesn't work, somebody will end up paying the ultimate price for every decision that doesn't work, doesn't pan out. But I mean, I'm in December in the playoff hunt in this town, and I'm I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of like this. I'm not. I don't know. This hardly ever hat never happens. So I hear. You. I'm just torn with it. I, I don't. I don't understand it. Um, I wish I did. Last thing on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, injuries are a factor, obviously, and Sam Cosby has had multiple injuries, took him out of the lineup. Cornelius Lucas replaced him with right tackle. Um, and, but then they've been, this, Cosby's been back for the most part for the last six weeks or so. Yeah. Other than the one game where he played at guard, um, he, he and Lucas have been splitting tackle, uh, splitting reps at right tackle, which is very unusual. I'm, I'm curious what you think about that they're doing that and why hasn't Cosme gone back into the starting lineup over Lucas? Because when you look ahead, I know you're focused on December, but like in general for this team, they're going to have to revamp the offensive line next year. And you would think that Cosme is a lynch or a, a key component of that. And yet he's not even starting now, but playing. Well, what do you make of that whole thing? That Yeah. Again, no one has commented about it. It is different. The good news is that, they're all capable of playing. And you've shown you can win with <clears throat> with all of them. <clears throat> but when it comes down to you can't get that critical play with none of them, you get stopped on most plays of significance. So they're good enough to function with and win games with, but when it comes down to it, 
I would got to think, I thought his hand bothered him. I'm glad Luke could play because it really meant Luke elevated his game because Kaza had already been starting. Right. So I thought they were kind of like getting better. And then the thing gets me with 77 is that this guy's built like a brick shit house, but he seems to always be nicked. You're talking about Sadiq Charles? Yeah, Charles. Yeah. So I don't quite know. And then I don't think just on his the brief time he's in, I can't say he's better than any of them. So he really hasn't taken over and just controlled something. I think they're all very good players, but I think they've been put on one-on-one islands against elite players. And just based on what you're paying them tells you you didn't think they could block them because you don't pay them that way. There's only a few people that go one-on-one with the elite pass rushers in this league. And you've had one, and you didn't keep him. And so I think Luke – I mean, I think that the tackles – are getting hit now hard, but you, you've gone up against number one draft picks, elite players. That's what the league's all about. What shocks me is that, well, wait a minute, you see them every day in practice. So a lot of that's his scratching for me. I don't understand. You've got the same thing that you're going up against. What's the shock value in it? So it tells me maybe we might want to scheme that up a little better to give them a back help chipping or tight end H back, whatever you want to do. But what they're doing is not working because the other team's winning. Right. And in the last couple of weeks between Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Bo, Nick Bosa, it's really been uh elevated because those are playoff you know, level teams. I mean right. you let's face it, you've beaten one winning team, team with a winning record. Doesn't matter, it's still good because you beat whoever on your schedule. But when it comes down to it, if the water's too deep right now, then you're gonna drown. Because everybody's got one. Okay, you got another one this week. Every week, you got 95 this week and 11 the week after that. Everybody, including you, has an elite rusher. So what's the big thing? That's the thing scratch. I can't figure quite figure out because you see it. And then I go, well, maybe we're asking tight ends to do way too much against that level of personnel, in my opinion. Right. No, you're right. And I haven't looked this up, but like it feels like whatever elite pass rusher they face this year, um, Micah Parsons, Bosa, I don't know, if, I can't say Thibodeau's elite, but he clearly has some of those traits. Uh, those guys, it's not, they, those guys have succeeded more than they've been stopped. But um, before I let you go, uh, the, the, this weekend, obviously, they got to, they're facing the Cleveland Browns. They win these last two games they're in. I think we all kind of get that. But the other component to this weekend, is that you guys, you, you, your hogs will will be there, will be honored along with Coach Gibbs. I, I'm looking at you over Zoom, and you've got pictures of your group uh, behind you. I see G- George Stark there, Boss Hog, and all that. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's been some attention about this over the last day or so, but what, for you, the reunion component of this, what does it mean to have these guys uh, back and, and uh, you know, to, to, to be all together in, in this way? Well, I heard about it in September. Doug Williams, I think Doug really um, is the guy that spearheaded this. I think all three, Theismann and Rip would have joined in on it because they were the benefactors, you know, of the offensive line, tight ends, people. I think this is the spirit of the unselfishness that a unit 
came about that's usually never glamorized or even discussed. And it went, in fact, it happened 40 years ago on a championship level is the significance of what I assume the celebration as it started off was, it is now altered from that a bit, but it doesn't take back the fact that coach Joe is going to be here and Doug. Um, I don't think it, although they love to have promotions and celebrations. So I'm sure they would have done it either anyway, but I think that was initially what this was all about. And what I was, excited about since then a lot has changed um especially when it comes just to straight merchandising and from what our group has has gone after and so we'll see how it unfolds because in all these things the fan usually gets left out and really that's what it's all about is it was the support of the fans and uh, i think that's important it's important to me that the fans acknowledge that they they're really what it's all about and um, I need them to win the game. To me, the only thing that's important Sunday is that they win the game. But I'm sure they see it a little differently. <laughs> well, I hope you guys have fun uh, seeing each other and, you know, get past whatever whatever other noise is out there. And, yeah, for your, you know, like you said, hopefully for Washington's sake, they can actually get this win. Yeah, they need to win the game. Business is going to happen. No, nothing, nothing's going to change that. And <clears throat> they need to win the game because – you get an opportunity you haven't had in a long time. I think 217, you know, since we've even been talking about this, there's been so many negative and offbeat things that have nothing to do about winning and losing. It'd be nice to just win a game and, and get that going uh, and make up for that debacle against the Giants at home when everybody came out and showed uh, but the performance. Right. Well, if they win this game, they have a chance at the first winning record since 2015? No, 2016. 2016. Eight, eight, seven, one. So, I mean, even yeah. though they made the playoffs two years ago, if they yeah, get a winning record in forever, yeah. not, not that 8-7-1 was even that exciting or or whatever, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. It, it counts. You count them all, but we all know that anything under 10 wins for this group with their level of talent, it's a disappointment. I mean, they had it there, and it's so you got to win out in order for any of this to matter. If not, it's going to be some real fireworks. <laughs> All right. Well, it's never disappointing getting a chance to talk football with uh, Doc Walker. Doc, I always appreciate the time. Everyone go listen to him, uh, 12 to 3, uh, Team 980 every day. And, of course, check out his podcast as well. Um, look forward to seeing you, if I see you, hopefully on uh, – Sunday. I'll see you you Sunday and uh, just thank King Sheen for allowing us to do this. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, man. I appreciate it. Later. Bye bye.